Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. All right, well, now I've got to preach, so we're going to get into it, all right? Everybody ready for that? Just kind of wipe it off. Let's go, let's go, let's get into it. So we're starting this, uh, this new series called Things Jesus Never Said, because it's really, really important that we understand there's things he said and there's things he didn't say. And, uh, and I've got a very sensitive subject I want to talk about today, but I want to start off with saying, man, it's so important, and I know I'm your pastor, and I know that I'm supposed to say this, but it's so important for us to read our Bibles. You don't have to read the whole thing in one sitting. My goodness, that would not work for anybody. But you need to read some of it a little bit every day, right? Just, just do a verse of the day. Get a Bible reading plan. Stick to it. I, I read through the Bible once every year, right? And I take a year to do it because it's a big old book, y'all. It's a big old book, and there's lots of different ways to approach that. I'm reading through it. My wife and I are reading through it chronologically, okay, which means that we're reading through it as, as it happened in time, not as it's laid out in your Bible, because uh, if you try to read it that way, you're going to be very confused about the timelines and things happen because it's not organized chronologically. But, but theologians and historians have organized it, and that's how we read it. And then we listen to a, a, a Bible recap, a podcast every day. It basically told us what we just read, okay? Helps us understand it, and it's a beautiful thing. But, but you can understand the Bible. You need to know what the Bible says because if you don't know what the Bible says, if you don't know what God says, it's his word, you don't know the things that Jesus said, that when culture and tradition comes along and tells you that the Bible says something that it doesn't, that has a negative impact on your life. Because as Christians, we are following what Scripture says. And unfortunately, we've got too many so-called Christians that have adopted Sunday Christianity only, that the only time they give attention to their spiritual lives is here. In fact, you're not even bothering to pick up their Bible to see if the stuff that I put on the screen and say that it's referencing is actually there. You just trust me. Thank you for that, by the way. Also, that is really awesome that you trust me that way. But also... We need to know what our Bible says ourselves. We, ha- we have to know. So I'm going to step off my soapbox for a second. But I need you to understand what we believe that God said or what Jesus said as well, his son, is important to us because we base our lives off of it. We make decisions based off of it. We have our relationships are impacted from it. It directs our lives. And sadly, Too many of us have let tradition and culture dictate what God has said. Unless you know your Bible, you can't challenge what it says. A series came up because a few weeks ago I was preaching and I said, and I said, you know, people say, and and just, just hands up if you've heard this, that God would never give you more than you can handle. Anybody ever heard that? Look, just, just keep your hands up and look around the room. Right? Okay. Now now put your hands down. I don't want your hand up for this. But a lot of us at some point in time, and maybe even still today, believe that. And that's not biblical at all. God will give you more than you can handle. The Bible is full of stories of people being given more than they can handle. He will never give you more than he can handle. And when you land in that place, you land... You learn, oh, so the goal of this is for me to have a relationship where I lean into my heavenly father and go, dad, I need some help. All right, that's another message for another time, but that's how we got here, all right? But if we, if we base what God said and what Jesus said off of culture and tradition, we wind up living out 
a life of false doctrine, okay? That's what it is. We begin living under burdens we were never meant to carry. Like believing that God will never give you more than you can handle, that's a very Western idea, a Western civilization idea, this American idea that we are, we're proud and we're strong and we're supposed to be able to do it all on our own. No, you're not. It's not in the Bible. There's other things that, that puts a burden on us. Think about this. Again, hands up. If you've ever heard this, God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. God helps all kinds of people. Right? God helps people that don't even know that God exists. And, and really, if you want to talk about what Scripture says, God helps those who humble themselves and come to him and pray. But if you believe that, then you're like, man, I've got to do everything in my own strength. Before I ask God, before I invite him into this, I've got to do everything on my own first. No, sir. We have a pray first policy here in this church that we start our day with prayer. We pray over the conversations we're going to have that day. We pray over the meetings that we're going to have. We pray over our work day and the traffic. Dear God, we pray over the traffic. We pray first. We don't do everything in our own strength. And when we're frustrated and spent up and burnt out, we finally go, well, all we can do now is pray. No, God never intended that. I'm on fire today, y'all. You can't, you don't have to keep up with me because I'm ready. I'm just telling you, just telling you, pray first. But if we believe we've got to help ourselves first, that's a problem. How about this one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Who's heard that? All right. Listen, I want to believe this with my whole heart. I really do. Because God is holy. That means God is pure, and he's white as snow, and there's no filth. There's no clothes laying on the floor in the bedroom. There's no dust on the dash of the car. There's no dishes in the sink. God is clean, and therefore, if we want to be godly, we must be clean. (laughs) In fact, the Bible talks about our lives and says that our righteousness, our best at doing good in this life is like dirty rags, right? And God still loves us, chooses us, redeems us. Cleanliness is not next to godliness. It's not true. I think this is an idea that parents came up with in order to get their kids to clean the rooms. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you love Jesus? Get your room clean. Listen, there's another verse you can talk to your kids about. It's a children obey your parents in the Lord for this is good. (laughs) And if mom and dad say go clean your room, you better get up and do it. Right? That's scripture. We don't need to come up with this other stuff. It's not in the Bible. Glenlis is next to God in this. All right. How about this one? And this one's hard. And I want you to see the burden that this really puts on people. God took your loved one because he needed another angel. How many of you heard that one before? Would anybody be willing to say that I've lost a loved one and someone said that mess to me? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. First of all, let me just back up a little bit because that's not in the Bible. God doesn't need anything because that would mean that he is insufficient on his own. God needs nothing from you. God wants to be in relationship with you, but he does not need you. Well, that's hurtful, isn't it? It's just true. God, by his very nature, is God does not need you. Also, God, when we die, we don't go to heaven and become angels. By the way, if you read your Bible, you'll know that that's a demotion. (laughs) 
I'm not trying to be a son or a daughter here on this earth and get up there and be an angelic servant. I'm a son. I plan to be a son when I get there. I plan to eat at the table, not serve the food. Come on, somebody. But if you really believe this, this is a nice thing to say that God needed your loved one, but it's just not true. And it causes people to disconnect from their grieving process. Causes them to feel bad about missing their loved one. It's a weight. It's a burden. It's false doctrine. God never said it. Jesus never said it. So you can see why believing things that aren't true is a problem, right? You can see why we need to know our scriptures. And I know that that'll take time. But commit to a process of learning your Bible, of reading it over and over and over again, getting it into your hearts. It's important because if we don't, it will distort our view of God, of life, of ourself, and of each other. So we got to know what the Bible says. And what we're doing in this series specifically is we're focusing on the things Jesus said, okay? And so if you have a Bible, a print Bible, which a lot of us don't anymore. We do digital. But I encourage you to get a print Bible. They're free. You can stop by the Connect Center and pick one up. They're already paid for. Just take one. We have even got it marked a good place for you to start reading. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get to know Jesus, everybody. It's good stuff, all right? But the letters of Jesus, any of the things that Jesus said in your Bible, most Bibles, they're in red. So we're focusing on those words throughout the rest of this series. And, uh, and, and there's just a few things. Uh, you know, if you go to the Internet and you, you type in hashtag things Jesus never said, you'll get some funny things uh, like this one. Uh, Jesus never said this. No one comes to the Father except through me, but that's my opinion. All other opinions are equally valid. <laughs> Jesus never said that. He said no one comes to the Father but through me, period, end of story. Another thing he never said, he never said, go into the world and preach the gospel to everyone, except Steve. Hate that guy, stinking Steve. <laughs> he never said that. He said, go preach the gospel. To, if you're a Steve here, I apologize. <laughs> he never said that. He said, preach the gospel to everyone. Jesus also never said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they post. No. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he did not say that but I thank God that he forgives us I thank God that he freely forgives our sins and speaking of forgiveness that's our topic today and that's what we're going to talk about and I know that as soon as I say we're going to talk about forgiveness there's tension in the room there's tension in the room because this is something every single one of us can relate to we all can relate to have being hurt being betrayed abandoned offended in some way. And we're all guilty of carrying the burden of offense and unforgiveness. We're all guilty of it, absolutely. And in fact, as, soon, as I'm sitting here talking about it, it is likely that your mind will go to somebody else, stinking Steve, <laughs> that you're angry at right now, that you got an issue with that you need to deal with. So what we're going to do today, we're going to talk to you from Matthew chapter 6 and a little bit of chapter 5. This is part of the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Very cool, by the way, when I was in Israel last week, I got to, last week, week before, recently, uh, I got to go to the Mount. It was really cool, very cool place to be. But this is from the Sermon on the Mount. Specifically, Jesus is talking to the people about how to pray, more specifically his disciples, 
And in this prayer, he talks about forgiveness, gives us a way to posture ourselves, reasons why it matters and what we need to do. And then, of course, after Jesus teaches the, what, what is famously known as the Lord's Prayer, he has like a little PS, like he comes back to the subject of forgiveness because it's that important. It's, it's that important. So here we go, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, verses will be up on the screen for you, but if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. It says, he said, this then is how you should pray. By the way, he did not say these are the words to say. He said, this is how we pray. He gave us a model, okay? I'm going to talk more about that in August. I'm going to do a series called Pray First, and you're going to learn all about this. So anyway, we'll come back to it. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or be your name. Sorry, I'm used to the King James Version. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And then he does not go on to say, forgive us our debts, though we're still holding grudges. It's not what Jesus says. He does not say, I will forgive you, but you don't have to forgive others. It's not what Jesus says. Here's what he does say. You need to watch this closely because I need you to see it. He says, and forgive us our debts. Because, by the way, your sins, when you act Contrary to God's best for your life, you miss the mark of his best for your life. The Bible calls it sin. You're just missing, missing God's best for you. You do things in your own strength. It's sin. And when you sin, the Bible says there's a debt to be paid. That that debt, the cost of it to me and you, to try to do it on our own, is death. And it's not just physical death. It's an eternal death. It's a separation from God. Not just here in this life, but eternity. There's a payment that must be paid. And, and he's saying, forgive us our debts. So for, forgive us that debt that we've caused because we sin. And watch this. As. Now, if that word as wasn't in there, we could separate the two things. But he's like, forgive us as. That means in conjunction with. That while we're forgiving other people, you forgive us. It's a reciprocal thing. That we are called to forgive. So forgive us our debts as we have also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. He finishes up the Lord's Prayer there. And then he gives this PS and he comes back to forgiveness. Remember this. Anything repeated is important. Say, say it with me. Anything repeated is important. Come on now, now everybody, like you love each other, let's do it all together, okay? Anything repeated is important. See what I just made you do? I just made you repeat it, right? So anything repeated is important. So when the Bible starts repeating itself, you go, you pay attention. Jesus said in verse 14, so this is two verses later, if you forgive other people when they sin against, or yeah, if, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's tough. That, that's, that's very intense, difficult words that Jesus has for us. But he's calling us to a higher standard. But these words are the kind of words that make you squirm just a little bit, especially if you're currently holding a grudge against somebody. Now, if they're in this room, don't look at them. Please don't point at them either, okay? But I'm just saying, you're probably feeling that. But I need you to understand that grudge that you're carrying, that offense that you have, is not their issue. It's actually yours, it's your issue. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right, that's not, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what you're currently carrying. They may have hurt you, but if you are a Christian and a Christ follower, you're, you're living out your life following Jesus. 
you are called and commanded, not, not advised to, commanded to forgive. And if you don't, you won't be forgiven. That's intense stuff, man. That's really, really intense. And I get it. Anytime I start talking about forgiveness, it creates tension, but it also creates a lot of emotions, and rightly so, because you're going to say to me, Aaron, you didn't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. Aaron, you don't know how it felt when my spouse cheated on me. Aaron, my best friend lied to me, or someone that I loved, or someone that I admired let me down, or somebody didn't pay me what they owed me, or somebody broke a promise to me, or somebody actually took my life, took my resources, took from me everything they needed, and then they abandoned me. They used me. They used me for their benefit. Or maybe you're, you're going to say, Aaron, somebody that, that was supposed to love me and protect me didn't. They took advantage of me. They hurt me. You might be here today, you, you've been hurt physically. You've been hurt emotionally, sexually, spiritually. Those scars are very real. And so I, I in no way, mean to diminish your experience when I say that forgiveness is our call. Those those things are not okay. Let me just stand and be on record and say they are horrible. They are not called for. They're unfair. They're wrong. Reprehensible is the word I want to say for the way that you have been treated. It's not okay. But I know we're called to forgive. And I also know that as brutal as it is for you to personally endure pain, an offense from someone, I know that it's even harder to watch someone else you love being wounded. Somebody being wounded re- like repeatedly in relationship by someone who is lying to them. Maybe somebody that, it, that is, I don't know, assaulting them verbally, maybe even physically, sexually. To see somebody you love endure such a pain. To see somebody experience negligence. And again, repeatedly. Those are things that are hard to understand and unbearable. And all we really want to know is why? Why is this happening? In fact, I think most of us want to take a position like Liam Neeson did and call him up. I don't know who you are, but I have a certain set of skills. We want vengeance, right? We want vengeance on the people that hurt those that we love. So how in the world, Aaron, how in the world do you forgive something that seems so unforgivable? That's a great question. There's a clue in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew 6, back to verse 9. This then is how you pray. You should pray. This is the Lord's Prayer. He says, our Father in heaven. Notice he didn't say my Father. He didn't just say Father. He made it a collective, and he said, our Father in heaven. And because he is our Father, that makes us his children. Collectively, we are spiritual siblings to each other. We are spiritually adopted into this family. And our relationship with God's kids matters very much to the heart of the Father. As a dad, I can understand this. As a kid who grew up with siblings, I can understand this. Anybody go on road trips when you were a kid? I went on lots of road trips when I was a kid. Now, you kids today, the kids today have it easy, right? Because they got iPads. My kids had their own individual DVD players that their mama bought them. 
with their own headsets, and they sat in their little booster chairs in the back seat of the long drives to Florida or wherever else we were going without making a peep. Because they had the wiggles, they had every Disney movie imaginable, and they were entertained and amused. Do you know that word amused is rooted in just not thinking at all? Because the word muse means to think. You put the word A in front of it, and it means not thinking, amuse. <laughs> That's what's happening. Your kids are just back there not thinking. Because if they were, they'd be getting on everybody's ever-loving nerves. You know what I'm saying? Because when I was a kid, I didn't have anything to amuse me except the seat next to me that I could make little hashes on with my fingers. Anybody draw on seats when you were a kid? And then your brother next to you would just go after you spent 15 minutes playing a hard game of tic-tac-toe with yourself? Come on, y'all. That was real pain. And when you don't have anything to amuse you, all you can think about is not touching you, not touching you, not touching you. Can't get in trouble, not touching you. Oh, dear Lord. So from a kid's perspective, I understand. Because you know what happened in the front seat? Anarchy what was, is what was going on in the back seat. But the law was about to come down in the front seat. Y'all know what I'm saying? I will turn this car around. That was a common phrase from mom and dad. I will pull over. You did not want dad to pull over. Because you was going to pull over, and then he was going to pull down, and then you were, getting, you were getting little pop pops on your boom boom. You know what I'm saying? He did not care that we were on the highway or that I was 16. That, that stinking Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad's name. <laughs> Woo! Ha, ha, ha. But my, my parents, my parents loved it when the kids were getting along in the back seat and they were, they were really brokenhearted or really maybe just a little irritated and angry when the kids weren't getting along. So you guys can understand this, right? That, that our Heavenly Father is no different. He cares about us getting along with one another. He cares intensely about our relationships with one another. Nothing makes him more sad than when we're, when we're fighting each other, but but but. The scripture says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. When there's peace, and you're getting along. I love to see my kids getting along. It is the worst lunch ever when my kids are bickering back and forth at that table. I, I don't want to be there. And I love my kids. I want to see my kids. My kids are old and grown and doing their own thing. So to get them all at a table is very rare. And when they're bickering with each other, mm -mm, I don't want to be there. But when they're all at peace, it's like no place I'd rather be with my kids. God cares about your relationship with his other kids. It matters to him. That's why Jesus said this. You back up a little bit into the sermon in the chapter 5. Jesus is still preaching the same sermon on the mount. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So let me break that down. Pause. He's basically saying, hey, before you get all dressed up and show up cute at church on Sunday morning, where you're going to lift your hands and you're going to sing a song or you're going to put a gift in the offering, or, but before you get all, all gussied up and do that, before you say a word of praise to me, are you all following me? He says, Be, before you do that, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Now, he didn't say that you're mad at somebody. Jesus took it to the extreme, and he said, if you know somebody's upset with you, 
whether you did what they thought you did or not. If there's division, if there's a lack of unity, he said, you know they're upset with you. Put that gift down. Don't even stress about it. Go make it right. It matters more to him. The greater gift is us humbling ourselves and coming to someone and saying, I'm sorry. Or even asking the question, if you don't know what you did, well, how, what do I need to apologize for? I had to do that. Believe it or not, I was in a, I was in a relationship with some, some, some other pastors, and uh, I don't know, things just weren't going well. <laughs> there was some tension between us. And I wasn't sure what I had done, but I sensed it for sure. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this situation. There needs to be peace between us. And, and the Lord, I heard him clear as day. He said, go get some bread, go get some grape juice, and, and go have communion with them. Just show up at their house. And I was like, that is weird. I don't think I want to do that. In fact, I came up with all kinds of excuses that day as to not do it. And I was like, well, Lord, you know, if I can't find a parking spot up close at the grocery store, I'm not going to go in and buy the bread and the, and the grape juice. But daggone it, that spot was open. Well, Lord, I, uh, I really should check on my brother, so I do that. And then uh, I'm like all just hoping they won't even be home because I'm not calling and announcing that I'm showing up. When I showed up and knocked on the door, that door opened real slow, and they looked out to see who it was, like, what do you want? When pastors are beefing, y'all, it's serious, right? You know, and uh, I was just like, I'm just here to do communion with you. I need to own whatever this is and, and apologize. And we sat at a table, and tears flowed between all of us. And really, it just came down to, I hadn't done anything. They said, you've not done anything. We've believed A, B, and C. And they started laying it out, and I was like, those things just aren't true. How can we reconcile? And we beautifully reconciled, and there was peace found between us. God cares. He cares about pastors beefing, and he cares about y'all beefing. Beefing means that you've got, like, an issue with someone, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> carrying offense towards one another and unforgiveness hurts the heart of our father but it not only hurts him it actually wounds us in hebrews 12 chapter 15 or excuse me hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 and i know it's not up on the screen so if you're taking notes write it down but 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 it simply says that watch out the no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you so bitterness grows up inside you and it troubles you I, I'm, I'm that guy. I, I carried offense. I was angry at God and angry at pastors for a long time. And you couldn't talk to me about church without me spitting and spewing hate. I was an angry and bitter and miserable person because a root of bitterness had grown up inside of me. But not only that, the scripture says, it'll trouble you, corrupting many. Because it impacts your attitude. It impacts your relationships and your spiritual life. It impacts you, and it corrupts many people around you, because how many of you know misery loves company, right? If I'm miserable, I'm going to make sure everybody else around me is miserable. And if we live in bitterness, resentment, and hatred, then we continue to let the world and that wound within, excuse me, the wound within us stay infected and poison our soul and others. My friends, today you need to know that unforgiveness is the dankest, darkest, most unrelenting prison that corrupts and distorts our very being. We have to get out of it. And forgiveness is the only key that unlocks that prison door. It's the only key. Canceling the debt that somebody owes you. 
years ago, just, just for an example of this, years ago, I was uh, in youth ministry, and one of the students that I ministered to, I actually don't even know his real name, I just know his nickname, it was T-Bear, which was, which was just fun, he was just this big teddy bear, and I remember being in relationship with him, and I, I, I spent a lot of time at his house and with his family, and being in relationship with him, I, I got in good relationship with his sister, and there was a point in time she had a financial need, so she asked me to borrow some money. I was like, sure, absolutely. She's like, I'll pay you back this week. Great, no problem, no worries. It was, it was like $300, something like that. And I, I was just a young guy. It was a lot of money to me, but I was like, whatever, no, no bigs. And then that Friday came and went, and I didn't get paid. I didn't, I didn't get money back. I also didn't get a phone call. I didn't get an apology or an explanation, and it made it awkward and weird. There was a debt between us. And then I would see her, and then she wouldn't say nothing about it. Huh. So now I'm feeling a little disrespected. And now I'm feeling a little angry. And what happened was, relationship broke. I wouldn't even go to my friend's house anymore. So what happened? I became a prisoner to my own offense. I stopped hanging out with healthy people, stopped doing healthy things, because somebody owed me something. And I was talking to the Lord about it, and he said, Aaron, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go ahead and just forgive her. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he said, I want you to go ahead and forgive her of the debt. Oh, okay. So I go over. I was like, hey, Riri. Uh, you don't got to pay me back. Oh, no, Aaron, I'm going to pay you. No. Uh, so the Lord told me to go ahead and forgive the debt. With tears and hugs, we were restored. Relationship was restored. I was able to go back to the house again. I was no longer a prisoner. Why? Canceled the debt. The thing that was keeping us divided just wasn't worth it is what you learn. It's just money. It comes and goes. People are worth it. And God cares. And I got free. But forgiveness was the key to escaping that prison of offense that I had put myself in. Now, I know you're sitting there going, good for you, Aaron. Congratulations. I'm not there yet. I'm still mad, so what do I do? Okay. All right. I was just making sure they didn't put something funny on the screen behind me because they're, they're, all, they're all jokesters out here. I like it. But Jesus, um, here's what you do. That same sermon, chapter 5, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, you've heard that was said. That's part of Jewish law, eye for an eye. If you hurt me this way, I get to hurt you that way. It was back and forth. Whatever you do to me, I get to do to you. It's equal payment, right? Equal, equal penalty for what you did. He said, you've heard it said that. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies, uh-oh, and pray for those who persecute you, those that are actively against you. Now, we hear things like that, and we're like, nah, that's not what he meant. Jesus never said that. Fake news. But there it is. It's in your Bible, and that's what he said to do. So what's the answer? How do I get to a place where I can forgive them? Prayer. Pray for them. Because what happens is when you begin to pray for somebody, it begins to shape your heart. It'll change your heart on the matter. You say, well, Aaron, I don't feel like praying. Do you know how many times I've heard that? Do you know how many times I would pray if I waited until I felt like praying? Like very little. That's why we got to adopt the policy that choices lead and feelings will follow. Make a decision to pray, and then you'll get to feeling like it. Well, it's a whole other message for another time. Don't follow your fickle feelings. Choose to pray. You say, all right, Aaron, I'll pray. I'll pray that God strikes them dead. <laughs> Wrong again. <laughs> what we're going to do, 
is not that. We're, we're going to pray for God's favor on their life. Uh-oh. We're going to pray for God's blessing on their lives. We are going to pray that God heals their heart. Because you know what I know about people that hurt people? You've probably heard this before. But hurt people? Hurt people. That's right. See, it's not about what's wrong with them. It's about what happened to them. And if you can adopt that position, when people hurt you, yes, that's going to wound you. I get that. But you can also have the maturity of going, there's something broken within them. God, I pray that you work on them. I pray that you heal them. I, I, maybe they came from an abusive home. You have no idea people's stories. That's why you need to be in a grow group. I'm just saying, you need to know some people. You need to be able to share your story and hear theirs. Just a little plug. Something happened to them that led to their brokenness too. Pray that they get healed. You say, well, what if they don't change? What if they don't apologize? What if they never take responsibility? Let me back up again and say, that's not the point. They may not have the capacity to take responsibility. They may not have the emotional capacity to do that. They may already have passed out of this world and can never apologize or take responsibility or hear you say, when you did this, you hurt me that way. It is still our responsibility, regardless of how they respond or are unable to respond, to forgive. Because it's for your benefit, not theirs. See, your prayer may or may not change others, but it always, always changes you. So what do we do? Hate our enemies? No, we pray for our enemies. We pray for those who hurt us. Praying is a God-honoring place to start, and then when your heart, when God begins to shape your heart about those people, you can choose to forgive, to hurl away, which is what that Greek word for forgive means, to hurl away the debt, to cast it far from you. That doesn't mean you pretend it didn't happen. It doesn't mean you expose yourself and leave yourself vulnerable to be hurt by the same person in the same way again. No, that's not what it means. I'm not telling you to forgive and forget. Forgetting is not something that is easily done, folks. I'm telling you, the scripture says to forgive, to cancel the debt. And if you need to put up some healthy boundaries, that's okay. That's good stuff. We'll talk more about that in the future if you'd like. But it's important. Remove the record of debt and get the poison out of your heart. And how do you do that when you're hurt and you're betrayed and trust is gone? Paul tells us clearly in Colossians 3, verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. Do you know what that means? It's basically talking about preparing a guest room. That's the heart of it. He's basically, when you prepare a guest room, there's clean linens on the bed, there's a towel and washcloth laid out, and if you're like a guest room at my mom's house, my mom will put a little Keurig coffee thing up in your room so that you can have coffee before you even get out of bed. I know, right? That's nice, nice. <laughs> when you have a guest room, you're expecting someone to arrive. And when we make allowance for each other's faults, we're expecting people to sin against us because they're all sinners. Because there's none of you that aren't, including the guy talking to you. I'm expecting it. Somebody's going to sin against me today. Somebody's going to offend me today. And I'm going to make room for it. I'm going to be ready for it with a posture that says, I'm ready for this. I'm going to go ahead and forgive anyone who offends me. Except Steve. <laughs> That's not what it says. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So remember who you are and all that you've been given freely and forgive them freely. 
God freely forgives our sins, so we forgive like he forgave us freely. No terms, no conditions, nothing to sign, no waivers, freely. Here it is. We get ready for people. We're ready for them to sin against us because they will. They don't deserve forgiveness. It's not about them. It's about you being free. God will take care of them. In fact, vengeance is something that he claims. In Romans 12, Paul reiterates what God said in the Old Testament. Hey, guys, and I'm paraphrasing. Guys, trust me, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God's just. He's going to handle them. And the way he handles them might be to soften their heart, heal them, make them whole, and redeem them. And that's a beautiful thing. But you want to start asking God to give justice to them because of the way they hurt you. You better expect justice coming your way for the way that you've sinned and hurt people too. Vengeance is God's. We trust him. He's just. Pastor Anley Stanley said this, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. We feel like that, don't we? But in the shadow of the cross, where Jesus bled and died for us, The instrument of his torture was also the instrument of our redemption and our forgiveness. In the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. It's beautiful. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it, but we forgive as the Lord forgave us. Think about this. What would happen if we embraced a lifestyle of forgiveness? How many homes would be healed? How many marriages could be saved? How many friendships could find healing? And how many of you in this room today could go free? If we just chose to forgive. No terms, no conditions, freely. Offense is a trap. Unforgiveness is a prison. Forgiveness is the key to your freedom. God's not mean when he tells us to forgive. We want to label him that way. But he's not mean. God wants good things for you. And the freedom you'll find from forgiving other people is a good thing. Say, well, forgiveness is a weak person's game. Wrong. It's not. Holding a grudge doesn't make you strong. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Jesus didn't say, I'll forgive you, but you don't have to forgive others. No, remind you what he said again. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive their others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let that settle in for a moment. Just be silent. Think about it. What would it be like to be free from that thing that has plagued your life? For decades, maybe, for some of you. What would it be like to sit at that table with that loved one that you've been avoiding? What would it be like to make that phone call and hear a voice on the other end that you haven't spoken to in years? As you humbly seek reconciliation. What are the implications of this for you? I can tell you, some of you, it's, it's a phone call. Some of you need to show up at somebody's house and knock on the door. It's scary, yeah, but it's beautiful. Some of you are going to be ready. 
Forgiveness will empower you to set the prisoner free. Only for you to realize the prisoner was you. Let's pray. God, I know I'm, I'm talking intensely, and Jesus, your words were intense and are difficult. Some might even say they're a little harsh. That, that, that Who can do this? Lord, I know you wouldn't have given us a command to do this if we couldn't do it. I know that you wouldn't have given us this for us to do if you weren't willing to help us, to soften our hearts, to help us grieve where we need to grieve, to process the pain we've experienced while also releasing those of the debt they've incurred because they hurt us. But Lord, this freedom is beautiful. It's my life story. And God, I just, I just pray because I know how angry and how bitter I was. I know how miserable I was. I know feelings I had, the longing that I had to even exit this life because I was so miserable carrying around so much pain and hurt. There's somebody in this room, Lord, today that understands that walk intimately. And forgiveness is the key. This is the only way to experience such grace and such joy and a renewal of life. So God, today I'm praying that you help us. For those of us that are ready to forgive, help us to forgive. Those of us that are not ready to forgive, that are like, ah, I need your help. I... Help us. Help us to pray for those that hurt us. Shape our hearts, God. Take us on a journey step by step. Prepare us for the day when we will fully be able to release them and forgive them. God, this is an important work, so much so that you repeated yourself in Scripture. You gave us all the keys. Help us to forgive. And as we continue to pray in this moment, there's some of you in this room that you need to understand the foundation of our relationship with God is forgiveness through what Jesus did for us. That he gave his life as the only one who could, as a sacrifice for all of us. And he did all that so we could be forgiven, we could be restored into a right relationship with God, adopted into this spiritual family, have a full and fulfilled life here on this earth, but eternity in heaven with our Father. And so if you're here today and you're like, Aaron, I'm, I don't think I can do this perfectly. I've tried before and failed. Or maybe you're brand new to all of this. It begins with forgiveness, getting the slate wiped clean. And you're not gonna do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. I don't follow Jesus as well as I should all the time. Nobody does. So this is not about your perfection. It's about accepting what Jesus did for you, about placing your faith and your trust in him and choosing to pursue him with everything you got in you. If you're in for that, man, my God has a beautiful journey for you, good plans for you. So if you want to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And if you want to be counted on that prayer, will you just lift, lift your hand up right now? Do it. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to say anything to you. We're going to celebrate with you in a moment. Yeah, there's hands across this room, Simple Church. This is beautiful. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I count at least seven people today that are saying yes. Let me tell you something. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason God created this service today. Put it all together for you so that you could know him. And so today, everybody praying together. Nobody prays alone. Everybody praying out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Show me how to live for you. 
Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, heaven's having a party for you. That's what your Bible says. Simple Church, celebrate with those that said yes to Jesus today. Come on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.